Welcome to the Mobilized Podcast. We equip Christ followers to boldly and courageously live mobilized in their faith, purpose, and life. Let's join James and Nicole. Well, hey, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Mobilize podcast. It's James here, and I'm with my incredibly talented and beautiful podcast co-host, Nicole. Hello, hello, my friends. Thank you for being with me today, and we're glad that you've chosen to join us today. Uh, As I had mentioned before on the previous episodes, um, this year was going to be a little bit different with the podcast, and we are introducing podcasts in series. So we'll pick a topic, and we'll maybe have three or four, sometimes five episodes in a series, um, rather than a week-to-week or a month-to-month. That way it's topical, and you can find something that really means something to you that you can invest in, sink your teeth into, Mm -hmm. and really consume all of that content. And hopefully it's going to be as uh, refreshing and helpful as it has been for us. Absolutely. And it's been a lot of fun. So what we're doing with this series is we're going to dive into the topic of mobilized in faith. Mm -hmm. Um, We really exist to equip Christ followers to boldly and confidently live mobilized in faith, purpose, and life. That's why our ministry exists, mobilized. And so we we thought it would be really, really uh, helpful if we just took what the foundational things that we believe and what we practice all the time and really unpack those. So today and for the next four weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into mobilized in our faith. And you remember what mobilized means. The whole reason that resonated with us as we decided to move in that direction with this ministry is mobilized means to assemble and be ready for action. And so that's exactly what we want to do in our personal lives, and that's what we challenge you to do as you come along on this journey with us as well. So how do we prepare to be fully ready for action in our faith? Oh, we thought, let's start. Let's start with Jesus, right? And and one of his foundational teachings, it wasn't just foundational, it was radical. It was radical. His Sermon on the Mount was life-changing, mind-blowing, and completely and totally radical. We find it in Matthew chapter five. Mm-hmm. And, and this message, it, it it's just as radical today as it was then. Yes. And the people who heard it then were like, what? Today we hear it. And when we understand it, we have the same exact reaction. Like, what? Are you <laughs> kidding me? It, it's radically life-changing. It's radically counter to the way we like to live. Yes. It calls for radical faith. It requires radical vulnerability and transparency with God and with ourselves, but it gives radical joy, happiness, and peace. Yeah. Can we say radical one more time there? <laughs> Radical, radical. (laughs) So for the next five episodes, as James said, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about what faith is and and the happiness we find when we live out the principles Jesus is teaching us here. We start in the very beginning with the most famous sermon, right? His, His most known sermon. What's funny is it's his most known and famous and least understood. Mm hmm. I think context over time, we've kind of lost it for the people sitting there listening to it live. Mm. They were just blown away. They understood. They lived in the context of it. And now we kind of, we've gotten far from it, I think. So sometimes it's hard for us to understand, which is why we love doing this, unpacking these so we can truly understand it so we can live mobilized in our faith. Mm. So Jesus preaches this sermon on the Mount, which got its name. Why, James? Well, uh, it's a very deep, profound reason, Nicole. I'm glad you asked, because theologians and scholars have pontificated for Mm -hmm. generations, Mm -hmm. and they determined that the name derived from the simple 
reason and cause that the sermon was given on the side of a mountain. <laughs> okay, I've done my absolute best to not laugh <laughs> through the whole thing. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> That'll teach you to ask a dumb question like that again. <laughs> So we talked about these people in the first century, right? And they weren't a whole lot different than us. No. And people have pretty much stayed the same. Except our, men wore dresses. That's true. That's a little different. Well, actually, Here. we're coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on a roll today. I, I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. are on a roll. <laughs> okay, so they weren't a whole lot different from us. Right. Let's go back to that one. <laughs> in more ways than we thought. <laughs> But they were looking for peace, just like us. Yes. Contentment, purpose, Mm -hmm. right? And happiness in life. But they were also searching for what would satisfy their souls because we were all created with that God-sized hole in our lives. Yeah. We were created with that. Uh, That distance from him is always going to be a pull to him in us. And so they, just as we are, have this feeling in our hearts in our souls of searching yes. for that. And for that, contentment uh, exactly, and joy. Exactly. I mean, that, we, we as humans default to, to pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that's why the enemy uses it as a, a recurring weakness yes. because we don't change what we're, we're pursuing so he doesn't have to change his strategy. Right. It, it's even in our founding documents as a nation. Mm-hmm. The pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. life and liberty, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what it's really all about. And so, again, in the first century, as fast forward to today, we spend more of our energy, dollars, and time in the pursuit of happiness, Mm -hmm. comfort, and pleasure. So Jesus starts off this incredible sermon with eight short sayings that we call the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. and because each one starts with the word blessed. That's how it gets that name. And blessed, it means to be happy. It means to be content or to have inner joy. These are all things that people from generation to generation Mm -hmm. would all agree are valuable and important to them, Mm -hmm. and they continue to strive to attain. Absolutely. And these eight virtues, they're not describing eight different types of people. And that's the first point of confusion, I think, as you start Mm -hmm. to unpack this this section of Scripture, is that, you know, people kind of equate it to spiritual gifts, and they think, okay, well, maybe this person mourns over their their sin. Oh, this person is poor in spirit. Oh, this one's a peacemaker. Oh, no. What this is actually saying is it's describing eight different um, attributes or qualities that should be present in every person's life that truly wants to be happy and content. And, and when you really look at it, there's a natural progression through this section. Each virtue builds on the next one. The first beatitudes in the section, they deal with our relationship with God, and then the next four deal with our relationship with each other. So it's a very helpful, um, as you mentioned, counterintuitive and radical segment of Scripture, mm-hmm. a section, um, but it, it makes so much sense as you watch the thread being woven by Jesus as He kind of unpacks this and lays the foundation level by level, layer by layer. Mm -hmm. So today, I thought we would go and we'd recap the the first three verses. And I mean, you can listen to to more of it if you go back and listen to episode 30 of this podcast. Uh, And, you know, we kind of um, unpacked some of this, but um, now you'll see we're going to look at verse 4. Again, those are the first three verses, and we talked about it a little bit, but we're going to fast forward a little bit. And uh, so starting uh, at this section, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up onto the side of the mountain. He sat down. His disciples came to them, and he, he decided to teach them. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait, what? And then he goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Jesus looked out at the crowd, and he said, happy are you when you're poor in spirit. That's crazy. And, and when you're mourning over your, your sit, you're happy? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? What a strange 
and maybe creative way, we'll give Jesus some credit, <laughs> yeah. to start a sermon. But, uh, I mean, it's a little disturbing. You, you think that's that's not what I would say someone would give me as the advice when I'm looking for happiness. Mourn or poverty? Um I'm confused, Jesus. Help me understand. Does this make sense to you, Nicole? Oh, my goodness. Not at all on the surface. On the surface, it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. But Jesus right here, what we're seeing is he's turning all of our preconceived ideas about happiness, contentment, and faith completely upside down. Yeah. He's showing us that our earthly pursuits are not what's going to bring us happiness. Yeah. Contentment and joy and fulfillment, all this stuff that we're looking for, he immediately... Out of the gate, he's like, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. <laughs> Actually, opposite there, right? Everybody starts looking for the exit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I don't What's know the if fastest I like way this. off this mountain? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to stay uh, to get fed? I don't know. I don't know if I want to hear the rest of this. Yeah, so Jesus is saying, happy are those who are poor in spirit. And, and what he's saying is, happy are those who realize and admit just how spiritually empty they really are. Mm -hmm. Happy are those who realize that apart from God, they have no hope, none. They could achieve everything Mm -hmm. thinking that that's what's going to bring them happiness, but it won't. It's an emptiness that will never be filled. So he's telling them, happy are those who realize that apart from God, they have no hope. And, And the word poor, Jesus uses here, it means to shrink, to cower or to cringe, like beggars did in that day. Mm-hmm. I love the imagery of, of what Jesus is saying to because people could see it. Yes. They could see it in their minds. And, and as we unpack this, we can now see it in our minds and understand it. It's not just a, oh man, okay, I need Jesus, but it's a, oh, yeah. I need Jesus. Yes. It, that realization that we have nothing, nothing apart, a beggar having nothing, that everything they put their hand for, the Everything they put their hand out for is a need mm-hmm. to be filled in their lives. And that's even more different than the picture we have today of the guy on the street corner with right. a sign that says, we'll work for food, right. or uh, sorry, spent all my money on pot, need a, need a hamburger and coffee. You know? right. And right. They, they get comical with it, and they have cell phones, and they can afford cigarettes, and they have a dog, which gets fed somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this day, they didn't have social services like right. we do today. So right. they, they, they were pop beggars everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a family or a spouse or children to take care of you, you you were screwed. Yes. <laughs> there was yes. No, no other way. You were a prostitute if you were a woman, you were right. a beggar if you were a man, right. and you stood on the corner. So this was very common for the audience that Jesus was speaking to, to see a beggar completely desperate for yeah. everything, for their mm-hmm. clothes, for their food, for shelter, for everything. And so it was that complete dependence and helplessness in their own ability to mm-hmm. solve their problem. And whoever they are reaching out to, to be that godsend. Right. Yeah. And when you think about that beggar, you think about that prostitute, you think they are completely completely discarded too. Yes. Nobody cares about them. Right. Nobody thinks about them. Nobody loves them. Nobody's looking for them. Mm-hmm. Nobody's wanting to help them pass that few cents in the hand on the way by. So to, to put that imagery of the beggar, you know that had to feel like, Oh, mm. no. Why? Why, Jesus? Why? Why would you say that right. of all things, you know? But it's the idea that we have nothing and we hold out our hand in hopes that he might give us something that we desperately need to survive. And we do that to Jesus. That's exactly what we get. Mm-hmm. Everything that we 
desperately need to survive. I think that's why we need to see it too. Mm. I think, you know, we kind of, we put Jesus on a shelf and bring him out when we need him. Mm -hmm. But we don't see him as something for survival Mm. that we need day in and day out, like oxygen. Oxygen is one of those things we have to have second to second. Not like even water or food, but oxygen, the most important thing. I, when the kids were little, I used to tell them I was holding my breath. <laughs> Nicole was the holding your breath champion of the world. There Absolutely. was a, a line in the Guinness Book of World Records. They would be shocked. They'd have the stopwatches. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Mom, how? She'd puff out her cheeks and she'd say, okay, go. And she'd be breathing through her nose the whole time with her cheeks <laughs> puffed out. And they think that she is remarkable. She has these, like, I don't know, super alien fish-like lungs. <laughs> And it was comical. We, we still joke about that yeah. to this day, and the kids are growing. And it, <laughs> I still it just shows you how deceptive in her spirit yeah. is. So they're going to listen to this <laughs> podcast and say, wait, what? You did what? You had me beating myself up because I could only hold my breath for 30 seconds. Yeah. Reality is I could only hold my breath for a limited amount of seconds yes. before I had to breathe. <laughs> And that, that's what it's talking about here, survival, right? Yeah. Thinking about Jesus as like our oxygen. Yes. We need him to admit that we are important in spirit and to admit that we are completely dependent on God for our life, for our breath, for everything. So where do we start? How do we demonstrate being poor in spirit? I think the first place is... You got to start at the beginning. You yeah. got to start by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's as basic as it gets. And so I don't want to presume that um, everyone has, has done that. Right. I mean, you may be listening today and you haven't taken that step. That's the first critical step, acknowledging that Jesus is the Savior. Mm-hmm. He died for your sins and he is the only way to right the wrong that was done as a result of our sin. You can have a ton of faith. But it's not the kind of faith that that secures their eternity in heaven. And that's the critical step. It's got to be in Jesus. There's there's one way. He's the only way. No one gets to the Father but through Him, is what He says. Um, So, you you know, you can have faith in yourselves. You can have faith in your abilities. You can have hopes. You can have dreams. You can have read all the books. You can maybe have even gone to some of the best churches. But if your faith is not in Jesus, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, I I love that you said you can have tons of faith, um, but it has to be the faith in Jesus. Yeah. That's important. We all have faith. Yes. Every single one of us. But where we put our faith is what matters. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us put our faith in our finances, right? In our jobs, mm-hmm. in our degrees, in our money, in our talents, in our gifts, in, in our families, in our abilities. We have lots of faith. Everybody has faith. Yeah. But where we put it yes. is what matters. Yeah. Where we put it. Even people who claim to be godless right. and faithless have faith. They put faith in the lock on their front door right. or faith that their way of proclaiming they have no faith is the right way. Is the right way. Because there's no proof. And so they're taking a chance. Exactly. I mean, faith is the belief of things not seen. Yep. Recently, we are watching the History Channel. Mm, love the History Channel. Yeah, so do I. I'm a nerd nerd for everything ancient. Yes. <laughs> everything ancient that, that, that I absolutely what love. You, when we want to maybe unwind in the evenings, watch something to kind of just let our minds check out late at night. And Nicole will say, you know, I'm in the mood for something ancient. And so <laughs> yeah. we'll find some great History Channel documentary or something fun. But yeah. that's just a little tidbit to know about uh, right, y- right. Y- the incredible Nicole is she loves <laughs> all things ancient. Maybe that's why she keeps me around. Ah, 
good one. Mm-hmm. Not true, but no. good one. Uh, but we were watching a show on the pyramids, mm-hmm. and I love everything ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. So if we narrow that one down, ancient Egypt. And I'll watch all the shows, everything that comes on in Egypt, every documentary, every off the wall, far (laughs) from reality thing. I will still watch it as long as I get to see anything Egyptian. So we're watching this thing and they're talking about the pyramids and there's all these new theories on it. And they were saying how all this technology and everything that happened, um, it it just wasn't humanly possible. And at first it looked like it was going to go in the direction of God, right? Mm -hmm. Everything they were saying made it seem like they were going to give credit to God. They actually started to. It was really bizarre. They actually found proof that the Great Pyramid wasn't built by Khufu, who they earlier attributed it to. They said it was much older. And then they found text and documentation that it was built by a king that other theologians and historians said was Enoch Enoch. of the Bible. Right. And I, okay, so I'm now I'm at the edge of my seat, right? Much like Nicole, I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Okay, now they're blowing my mind. And then they jump from Enoch, and then suddenly there's a UFO, and it's like, well, so yeah, Enoch was documenting the visits of angels, and this was to protect from the flood, and so obviously uh, it was aliens. Obviously it was aliens. Like, wh- how did you get that? How did that happen? Right. It was whiplash. It was shocking, actually. <laughs> But what was crazy is we both looked at each other like, wait, so they have the they have problems with the concept of faith in God, <laughs> but when it comes to aliens, like, no problem. I believe that. No All big day deal. All day long and All twice day. on Sunday. Over God, for oh, sure. Yeah. That is weird. But aliens... Yes, yes, I believe in that. So we all have this faith inside of us. It's yeah. just about where we put it. Yeah. I, I mean... That's our funny example, but I remember hearing years ago about a Sunday school teacher trying to help explain this concept to a class of six-year-olds in Sunday school, and, you know, how do you get to heaven? And and this is a tough concept for adults, let alone kids. And so, you know, he, he said, hey, kids, you know, what if I sold my car and I gave all the money to the church? Would that get me to heaven? And the kids all, you know, resoundingly said, no. So they, they knew that that wasn't the right way. He said, well, what if I did nice things for other people every day and I, I helped others every chance I got? Would that get me to heaven? And all the kids said, no. He said, well, what if I was kind to animals and I gave candy to all the children? I love my wife. Would that get me to heaven? And the kids said, no. He said, well, how can I get to heaven then? Well, a little boy in the back row, a little smart aleck, he stands up. He said, well, you got to be dead. <laughs> There's truth in that. Well, the boy is right. You do have to be dead. I mean, dead to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so... You, you do have to die to yourself. You have to take on this new life, become mm-hmm. a new creation. Mm-hmm. Being poor of spirit is an attitude that reminds us that what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross was the, critical. That was the key. Uh, and then it spurs us on with a desire to be completely dependent on Him. Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in 1 Timothy 1.15. And it says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul never forgot just how spiritually bankrupt he was and the knowledge of just how poor in spirit he was, and that led him to love Christ more and more and more. It's our knowledge of just how poor we are in spirit that leads us to accepting Jesus. And then what happens? We believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. We know, okay, now we're in need of a Savior. Great. Now what's the next step in being mobilized in faith? 
All right, like you said, <clears throat> there's that first critical step of accepting Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing Jesus talked about. What I love about that scripture, back to 1 Timothy 1.15, what Paul said, that that right there is poor in spirit, mm. where he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Yeah, I mean, he knew inside and out that he was in need of a Savior, and Jesus was the only one that could fill his life up. And th- that scripture is just so powerful. Especially given the fact, you know, he was a very pious guy. I mean, he was a right. Pharisee. He was educated. He kept the law. He persecuted Christians because he thought he had this righteousness that gave him the right to do that because he was holy. Right. And he said, I'm the worst. Yeah. And, and we talked about that being radical in our faith yeah. and radical vulnerability, mm. that's what that is right there. For yeah. someone so pious to say, I am the worst, yeah. to admit it and not be afraid to because we know who Jesus is too. Mm-hmm. It no longer reflects us, but instead reflects Jesus' forgiveness. Yeah. And that's just And that powerful. shows it's not a, a lateral comparison of, of our peers. And right. we like to do that because it makes us feel better. That's true. I mean, you throw out Hitler and Stalin. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, I'm, I'm so much better than them. Right. Or my neighbor or my coworker mm-hmm. or, you know, someone that's wronged me. Um, but what this is doing, Paul is comparing himself to a perfect God. Right. And that's the only standard. Right. And that's where you get a statement like that. Absolutely. So the next step we find in verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So what does blessed are those who mourn mean? Mm. And we kind of have our own definition these days, right? We feel mourning. um, And and you know what's funny is we like the they will be comforted part. Yes. I think we all like the blessing part of it. We like those other sides. And that's why this passage is so popular because there's so many blessings in it. But there's some work that has to be done first before you get to the blessings part. We love that they will be comforted part. But to be comforted, we have to first mourn. And that's the part we all try to avoid. I, I recently lost my younger brother and my dad within a few months of each other. And and I know what it means and feels like to mourn. And it's not like sadness. It's a deep pain that is felt in every fiber of your being. And there's no willing it away or ignoring it. There's no getting away from it. In fact, it becomes the primary emotion. And all the other emotions have to take a backseat to it while it's present. Mourning is heavy. And it feels like the only thing you could do is cry. Mm-hmm. Weep and acknowledge your pain while while letting the pain come out in tears. It seems to be the, in fact, the only relief for mourning is allowing those tears to flow. But this isn't the kind of mourning Jesus is talking about. And we're all familiar with that kind of mourning. Everybody's lost somebody, have felt lost in their life, but that's not even what Jesus is talking about. In fact, the Greek definition of mourn means to lament, to feel guilt, Hmm. to feel guilt to grieve. And and even that word grieve, to further break it down, means remorse, repentance, contrition, grief for sin. Hmm. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. Mm -hmm. But that same feeling, the same process we go through of mourning is the same process he wants us to go through. And that mourning is not the sorrow of the world, uh, as I just talked about death. It's not that sorrow or even a failure or suffering, or the consequences of sin. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think we mourn over our consequences (laughs) more than we mourn over our sin. I got caught, and now I reap the benefits of my stupidity, and so I'm sad. Correct, Greg. Sometimes that consequence is where we get the most upset about rather than the sin itself. Yes. And that's that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, you can mourn about the consequences all you want. You can mourn about these life things, but what I want you to mourn is sin. Mm-hmm. I want you to grieve over that, that same feeling you have of, of um, letting it come out of you in tears and of feeling the weight of it. That's what I want you to do for sin. Mm-hmm. I want you to mourn that sin. And the feelings of mourning, it should be the same. It should be the same over sin itself and the stain which it has left upon our souls. Yeah. And people who never mourn their sin live with the pain of it. Mm. The people who never mourn loss live with the pain of it. And it's the same mm. with sin. If you don't mourn it, then you're going to live with the pain of it for the rest of your life. That's good. That's actually really profound too. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that is probably the antidote to a lot of people's suffering. Um, you know, they, they they go weekly to their, their therapist or they go to counseling or they they're on blogs or they're reading books to try and figure out why they're um, afflicted with this lifetime of emotional pain. Right. And I think you just gave them a very powerful solution. Yep. They are never comforted. Right. Because it said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, for they will be comforted. Yes. So those who never mourn over their sin live with the pain of it because they are never allowed to go through the process of Jesus comforting them after they mourn over it. That's powerful to me. Like I said, the imagery that Jesus puts forth here, it just brings it alive, Mm -hmm. so alive. It's only those who mourn feel the weight of sin and the conviction of sin to the point where they can no longer live with it. But instead, run to Jesus, mourning over their sin, who are comforted. Mourning over sin invokes the same reaction as mourning over death. There's tears, there's crying, there's weeping. In fact, the verb mourning is commonly coupled with weeping, and with those tears come a cleansing. Mm, Come a cleansing. And I know that personally from mourning a loss. Like every time I would just break down and cry on slobber all over your shoulder, (laughs) I felt better after. Mm. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's like, you come to me, you mourn over your sin, you cry, you weep. And with that Mm -hmm. comes a cleansing and Jesus comes in and just comforts us. Mm. That's good. The the promise of comfort implies a special comfort, which the mourner needs. Mm, Yeah. Um, And and that's, that's what you're talking about, whether it's, you know, the, the heartbreak, um, just in our life and in a sinful world or over our sin, mm-hmm. um, comforted. I mean, when you, you look at the word, it, it, it gives you this sense of uh, pardon and peace, mm-hmm. restored purity and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's, that's powerful. When you, you look at that, that, those are some things that people would give anything to achieve and attain. They're seeking that restored purity and freedom, that, that pardon and peace. They're dragging mm-hmm. around shame and um, and, and this burden of guilt, and um, the, the answer is right there. Jesus gives it so clearly, and, and we, we, we don't want to mourn. We don't want to be sad, so we avoid facing things like that. Uh, but Jesus tells us in verse 3 that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, 
and those who know they need God and reach out to them, reach out to Him, and mm-hmm. um, then they take the, take it a step further, and now it's time to mourn over my sin and allow God to comfort you, to pardon and give peace, to restore the purity and the freedom. Yeah, uh, and that that's powerful, and I, I hope it's uh, resonated with you as well as uh, you've been listening and coming along on this journey. Because um, mobilized in faith is first accepting Jesus, acknowledging that you're a sinner, you have a sinful condition that needs a solution, and then you mourn over it. Mm-hmm. You mourn over the sin and the damage it does to, to God's heart and to others' heart, mm-hmm. and, and it, it breaks your heart, and it drives you to repentance. Not just that I'm sorry, right. but a full understanding, right, that, that our sin was committed against God. And That's good. It, it changes everything. Yeah. Um, I love that. Not just that I'm sorry. Yeah. Just a... Oof, messed up. Sorry about that. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Kinda and sometimes we, we do it and we feel, okay, great. You know, I said I'm sorry. I've right. moved on. But right. Repentance, the word means to do a 180. I mean, right. it means to completely just do an about face and go the other direction. Right. To run from the sin, to figure the way out, to stop moving in that direction. And that can't be done in our own will. What we see here is Jesus laid it out for us, mm-hmm. confessing our sin and then mourning over it. Yes. And when you mourn over it and you truly understand that you've sinned against God and you ask for forgiveness, like you said, it's not just an I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and then, okay, I'll just do 180. No, no, that mourning is what like propels the 180. Mm. It like gives it uh, the motion, the action, the push you need. Yeah. And that's when God comes in then. That's yeah. God. And I love the word pardon that you said earlier, the word yes. pardon. We don't deserve it. That's what grace is, right? Yeah. We don't deserve it. So the sin, the action was done. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean that he didn't see it or it's okay or mm-hmm. it's fine. You said you're sorry. It's all good. No, he knows. He felt the pain of our sin yes. that was against him and still steps into our lives with grace and pardons yes. us from it. Because when you're pardoned, you you can't be tried or can't punished tried again. for it again. That is so powerful. Yeah. But that's when we mourn. That's yeah. when we mourn. Not just the simple "I'm sorry," but mourn over our sin. Mm. I love that, and Isn't I that, love that it gives us handles on this yeah. too. Understanding yeah. what really what Jesus is really talking about here. You're right. I think we've watered it down a bit. Yeah. And too much. It's mm-hmm. either too mysterious and this nebulous concept that sounds great, almost poetic mm-hmm. in, in nature where it's artistic and it sounds beautiful in an artsy, weird way. Right. So I'm going to leave it there. Or, yeah, I just, I, I read it and I move on. Oh, okay, I'm mourn. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. poor in spirit. Sure, great. That mm-hmm. means don't be prideful. Oh, okay, great, great. Right. And you attach your own definition. Right. But you have to be moved to complete brokenness over yes. this fact so that God can put you back together as he originally planned for you to be. Mm-hmm. And and that's where it starts. Um, so in our humble opinion, those are the first two steps in becoming fully mobilized in faith. And that's that's really um, where we hope you find some encouragement and some direction and um Thanks for giving a listen. We're excited to see you next time in the uh, Mobilized podcast as we take episode two of this series, um, Mobilized in Faith, to the next level and continue in our deep dive. So thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you so much. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Mobilized YouTube page and follow us on social media at mobilized.life on Instagram and at livemobilized 
on Facebook. For more information and ways to connect, visit our website at mobilized.life.